Francisco Cotto on 890 AM. Hello, friends. Hello, Patriots. Hope your day is off to a fantastic start. Cisco Cotto with you, 890 AM WLS. Uh, we've been hearing uh, back and forth here over the last few weeks from people in Indiana uh, and people in Illinois. Yeah, there's this back and forth and all of this jockeying, you know, which state is better, which state is on the right track. And, uh, people talk about drivers. People talk about jobs. They talk about property taxes. And with all of the back and forth, uh, I figured it would probably be a good idea, as opposed to just continuing our bickering, uh, for us to talk with the governor of Indiana, Mitch Daniels. And so we have him here on the line this morning, right off at the top of the show. Uh, good morning, Mr. Governor. Good morning. Uh, you know, before we get to all that serious stuff, uh, I just have—it's my first chance to tell you that you know, every time I hear you, I have to think of of my uh, dad and me when I was a kid. A little kid, my hero was the Cisco kid, and that became my nickname, uh, our nickname back and forth. He was Poncho, I was Cisco, and to his to his dying day, that's what we called each other. And uh, so, you know, your show always catches my ear. So, did he used to yell out to you, "Hey, Cisco"? Yeah, he was a traveling salesman when I was a little kid, and the first thing I'd hear when his car pulled in the driveway was just like on the show, "Hey, Cisco," to which the you know, probably I had probably a little six guns and sombrero on. I'd yell, hey, Poncho, back. And uh, that stuck between us, uh, you know, as, as dads and sons uh, sometimes do. Uh, it's a pretty good show. You know, I actually watched that as a kid. A lot of people wondered, you know, have you ever even seen that show? I'm just in my early 30s. But I said, oh, yeah, I used to watch it all the time on on Channel 9. They had the reruns. And I watched it just because the dude's name was Cisco. I mean, how could I not watch it? No one else had my name when I was growing up. Yeah, well, uh, uh, I got mine from him, and so uh, we have we have at least that in common. Well, let's talk about some of the serious stuff because uh, it, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, we we have this little rivalry here, and it ends up playing out on the radio where we have a lot of listeners in Indiana, especially in Northwest Indiana, and there's just all this back and forth, and you know, Indiana's better, no Illinois is better, and one of the things that the folks in Indiana talk about a lot is property taxes, okay, because we hate our property tax system here. People in Illinois yell and scream about them all the time. Uh, but if I read correctly, as I've been looking into what's going on in Indiana, you have made some changes in the property tax system, especially as it relates to schools, uh, that have meant some lower property tax bills for most of the folks. Yeah, dramatically lower. Um, our, our, bill, our property taxes were already lower than Illinois and, and most other states, but we, we cut them by a third. Um, two years ago, fully phased in as of this year. And we did one other thing. We put caps on them to protect them from growing back in the future. So in Indiana, from now on, you only pay 1%. You can never pay more than 1% for the value of your home, 2% of your farm or rental property, 3% of a business. And um, we have one step left to take. Uh, this fall, I hope my fellow citizens will vote yes on ballot question one, which will... Uh, make it clear that our 1848 Constitution and our 2008 property tax cuts are not inconsistent. Uh, some some legal scholars aren't sure. So if we after we pass ballot question one in November, uh, you can count on it forever. Um, 
um, some of the lowest property taxes in America not getting any higher. Are you able to change a system like that, a property tax system, in a way that actually brings property taxes down without hurting the schools? I mean, are they hemorrhaging money now specifically because of a change like this? No, they're not. We replaced it dollar for dollar. We had a, a significant state surplus, and we, uh, and, uh, we used that and, and um, raised the sales tax by 1%, but on a net basis, it was the biggest tax cut in state history. Uh, but at the same time, um, we uh, are funding the schools now entirely as opposed to just mainly from people's state uh, taxes. But, no, it's, uh, school spending has continued to grow. And um, in the meantime, we think our communities are stronger. People are less likely to leave them because they can't afford their bills. Seniors are protected in, on their fixed incomes. And we hope over time young people will have find it. I mean, we're one of the most affordable places in America now to buy a home. Oh, believe me, I know whether it's homes or businesses, I hear about all sorts of people who are moving over to Indiana, and they say, especially Illinoisans and people from the Chicago area specifically, where they say, you know, I, I love Chicago and I love Illinois, it's where I'm from, uh, but, you know, living is so much cheaper over in Indiana that uh, you know, I'll commute back to my job in Illinois or I'll just find a job over in Indiana. Well, we, we welcome them and love having them. I mean, it's funny, we've, I just left a meeting of uh, Indiana realtors, coincidentally, and a... Uh, uh, a realtor from Shearerville uh, uh, pointed out, she said 30% of all the homes sold in their region last year were people from Illinois. So it is a real phenomenon. And, uh, you know, let me say that I think the rivalry between states, not just our two, but all the states, is a really good thing about the American system. We compete to see who can be the best place for jobs and investment and people to live, and that's a good thing. Uh, but, you know, long term, Indiana's got a stake in Illinois doing well and vice versa, and we'll root for you guys. And uh, the competition, however, maybe just makes us all uh, a little better. Uh, you'd, you'd hope so. The folks in Illinois don't don't feel that way right now, though. Specifically, let's talk about businesses, all right, because I uh, you know, run, run in circles with a lot of people who own businesses and are fearful uh, about their future, and, and many of them are talking about moving their businesses over to Indiana. Have you created an environment that's that business-friendly over there in Indiana? I'm trying to trying to pick your brain a little bit, so maybe we can figure out how to make Illinois as business-friendly as Indiana supposedly is. Well, Fisco, it isn't very complicated. I mean, the answer, I, we think, is yes. Everybody who looks at it, every magazine, every uh, association or economist has us at, the, at or near the top of their list of business-friendly places now. We do everything we can, whether it's taxes or energy costs or... Um, workers' comp or other things to get the cost down so if people hire, come here and hire Hoosiers, they got a better chance to, to get their money back. You know, um, this we just found out last Friday uh, when the monthly employment numbers came out that uh, a, a, a pattern uh, is continuing. Indiana is number one in America in 2010 in job growth, 56,000 new private sector jobs, four times the national rate. And uh, we're only 2% of America, but 9% of all the new uh, private sector jobs in the country have, have been in our state so far this year. So it isn't enough, and we've got a long way to go. But it, I think it says that if you really work hard to be as make it as easy and attractive as possible um, for, for job creators, um, uh, 
good things can happen. And I would imagine, we're talking with Mitch Daniels, governor of Indiana here on WLS. I would imagine taxes have a big part of that. That There are a lot of businesses, not only in Illinois, I mean other states around the country, uh, they kind of feel like they're smothered by taxes and there's uncertainty about the future of their taxation at the state level. And if you can provide some stability for businesses and understanding that you're not going to tax them to death, uh, that makes them more likely to move to your state, doesn't it? That is exactly right. Um, taxes isn't the whole story, but I think it's the single most important factor among many when, when a business decides, uh, you know, again, where it's got the best chance to uh, risk its money and get it back. And um, uh, so, for instance, the, you use a great word when you talk about certainty. The caps that we want to make permanent through ballot question one and protect for all time are all about certainty. If you come here, there's a ceiling. You, your taxes will probably be lower, but they'll never be higher than 1% of the market value of your house, 2% of your rental, 3% of your business. And, uh, you know, this I think we're, we're learning at the national level now. That nothing kills jobs more than uncertainty and people not having any way to know what the rules are going to be or the costs are going to be tomorrow. Uh, let me ask you about something that you said uh, several weeks ago, it generated a little controversy, and I don't think it should have, because I, I think I get what you were going for, and you're, you're right if you were going for what I think you were. And that was this comment about uh, nationally us having some sort of a, a, a truce on social issues. I mean, what are you getting at when you say something like that? Oh, the fellow was asking about, uh, you know, our national situation, and I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about it, as millions of Americans are. I was just saying that the as a matter of priority, there are a couple things that really threaten us all. Uh, the crushing debt load that's being piled up now that we're about to dump on our kids is a, not just a long-term, it's a near-term threat to the America we've known. And uh, behind that, I think being really serious about people who would uh, really like to destroy us as a nation uh, through uh, a terrorism in a, in a mass weapons of mass destruction world. And I guess I was just saying to that person, I, I would love to see us come together on these survival questions and maybe just for a, a, a while at least uh, set aside or agree to disagree on these other things that people feel very sincerely about, and I do too. Because, um, you know, if we, if we get the survival questions wrong, these other arguments aren't going to mean very much. Yeah, that's just it. Some folks made it seem as though you were backpedaling on, on some of your principles and saying that you, know, you just didn't care about them anymore. I mean, it was really played up into uh, yeah, something that it didn't sound like it was. Uh, not really. So, I mean, uh, my views and, and my re and our record on questions uh, supporting life, for instance, are very, very clear. Nothing changes about that. I mean, I chose the word truce, uh, I think, thoughtfully, because in a truce, nobody surrenders anything. Um, nobody uh, backs away uh, from any principle. Uh, it's just an agreement to cease fire for a while. And again, this would only, this is only would be in the service of trying to get this country together and work on things that really are a very real danger, I believe, to the America we've known. Well, yeah, the economy is collapsing, and, and it is, I feel. I mean, I really I don't feel like we're in any sort of a recovery, regardless of what the president says. I mean, if that's going on, you have to say, all right, everyone, let's stop all this other stuff, and let's at least stop the bleeding in this bad economy. No, that's right. I mean, the, we're going to have to do some things. All the smart money has always said, we could never do. We're going to have, if we're going to rescue Social Security and rescue Medicare, and in the con in the process prevent a backbreaking debt from um, from crushing our uh, future economy uh, 
uh, we're going to have to get together uh, and do and again uh, probably get folks who disagree about other things to agree on real decisive action there. That's that's really all I was saying. Well, let's talk about something that's ultra important here. Okay, we've been talking about important things. Now this is ultra important. All right. The motorcycling. Uh, is that something that you've been doing a long time, or did you decide that would be cool during the campaign? Because you're a rider. I mean, I, I see reports of you out all over the place. Well, I do. I mean, uh, no, I, I bought my first one uh, when, I, when I was 20 or something, when I first could scrape up the money and, you know, started on dirt bikes and kind of went up the chain uh, as my uh, income and, and circumstances would permit it. Uh, when we were raising kids, I was off them for quite a long time, but it's been a hobby a long time, and in an otherwise boring life, you know, everybody's entitled to one one hobby, and that's mine. <laughs> People must uh, they kind of freak out a little bit when they see you riding along, and a little ways back, I'm guessing they see some state troopers, and then they go, wait a minute, is that the governor? Is he riding a motorcycle over there? And they're probably not used to seeing that sort of thing out of a politician. Yeah, well, the state police wasn't much used to it either, uh, but I told them, uh, you know, let's figure out a way to make this work. You're not getting out here with me, so, uh, you know, you can trail along behind there somewhere, and they... They do in good humor, but uh, no, you know my fellow citizens have accommodated to it. I, if someone had ever said, "Hey, come on, Mitch, that's not very gubernatorial," uh, I probably would have um, uh, knocked it off. But in, instead, they seem to accept it, find it a little bit of fun, and and you know, by the way, it, it's a way to. I always try to work to uh, be accessible and, and and stay in personal contact with all kinds of people, and you can meet all kinds of people riding motorcycles. Uh, we have texters, uh, people in our radio listening audience can text us, and I have someone here who's texting. Uh, before we let you go, this person is saying, Mitch Daniels for President 2012. Uh, you have an opportunity here, Governor, and this 50,000-watt blowtorch uh, goes to the entire Midwest. I mean, you could really make some news here on WLS today if, you know, if there's anything you'd like to announce about your future. Yeah, well, I'd love to help you out, but uh, no such announcement uh, out of me. I, I haven't. It's never something, I, it's something I've never even thought about until I was asked to over the last year. I'm making no decision uh, and won't for a long time. Uh, i got to tell you, I hope it's clear from our discussion. My concentration is on the opportunities facing Indiana, the problems that we've got. Uh, my fellow citizens deserve my full effort on that. That's exactly where it will be. I'm not doing any of the things people do when they run. and uh, That question still... Of interest in a few months, well, we'll think about it there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as time goes on, after these midterms and everything, I think you'll be right. Later on, if you seem like someone who's just an opportunist, if, if you get down the line and you decide to do this, you know, you decide to run for president, uh, I think people will respect the fact that you stayed in your state working hard trying to do what you were elected to do, uh, as opposed to going to every single state trying to shore up political support. I, you know, I, in this age of cynical people in the electorate, I think they'll appreciate that. Well, I... That, it's very important to uh, me. I've said this a long time before any of this speculation started that uh, folks could agree or disagree with things that we've tried to do for our state, but uh, I, I wanted to spend my eight years and living up to our words, matching our deeds to our words. And, you know, it's not good for folks to be constantly cynical about their government. And we're trying to create a situation where people can say, well, now and then somebody comes along who uh, does just what they said they do. And uh, so we're sticking to our duty, and, and by the way, it's very fulfilling to, to work on the problems of Indiana. All right, Governor Mitch Daniels of Indiana, thanks for spending some time with us here on WLS. Thanks for the good work over there. Enjoy. Thank you.